The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Up the colors. We are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Come on, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. Run to it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Josh, what year are we in? This is still 2023, right? Last I checked uh, for a little Soon longer. Soon to be 2024? Yes, on our way. Do NFTs still exist? Because the NHL has decided to jump on that bad wagon. I was so excited to hear about the <laughs> NHL's NFT thing. I went on my MySpace page and I, I posted about it. I was on AIM chat with some of my friends. I mean, it took me a little while because I'm on dial up. So once I yeah. connected, though, uh, you know, we were all on our bulletin boards just chatting about it. It was awesome. Uh, apparently they do exist. Um, but they, the thing is, you need to use Windows XP on a Commodore 64 <laughs> to access them. Oh, all right. Well, you know what? At, at least we didn't have the, the Women's Hockey League using NFTs for their jerseys. You know, they, they just <laughs> took a different approach there. There you are. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. Please make sure you follow us on our social channels. You'll get Josh and all his great humor on both X and Instagram at Scouting the Refs. You get me on X and Instagram as well at Toddler with Sports. In this week's episode, players talk too much. A major or a minor, payments are pending, and what? does make it an instigator penalty. Oh, I think we're going to have a fun discussion on that one. Yes, and it's not just being a Toronto Maple Leaf. There are more cases <laughs> than that. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough. Okay. We we had another few cases of officials not really liking players we'll say expressing their opinions, thoughts as on calls that were made during a game. And let's begin at the Boston and Montreal game. Um, Montreal had four sour play opportunities, and Boston captain Brad Marchand felt um, that a stick on his hands as he headed towards the net be worthy of a call. Ref didn't see it that way. He got rung up for two minutes for unsportsmanlike. We don't know exactly what he said because if he was mic'd up, it hasn't been released, but it looked like he said something to the effect of do your job, and that was not received well. No, referee Chris Lee was not a fan of that advice. And and I think, uh, you know, I think we had uh, the Bruins head coach made a comment about that too, right? They're doing their job. The players play the games, the refs ref the games. And uh, I think, you know, earlier this year, there was a lot of talk about Marshawn being a friend of the refs or having that mutual respect out there. It might have just burned it, lost a few points with <laughs> at least referee Chris Lee on that play. Yeah, the uh, Montreal Canadiens did not escape uh, the wrath of the referees as well. Brendan Gallagher had some issues with officials in a game against Calgary. Montreal's trailing 2-1, and a penalty was called on Brendan Gallagher that pretty much sealed their fate. Um, and Gallagher was upset post-game at Pierre Lambert, who he made a point of mentioning was in the neutral zone and made this call, the down-low ref, did not make the call. Now, sometimes the referee in the neutral zone has a better view of what's going on. That's why we have two officials. But uh, Brendan Gallagher did not really care for that call and I suspect has been uh, maybe issued a bit of a fine at some point or will be. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he will or not. I mean, he he kind of stopped short of really throwing these guys under the bus. But you're absolutely right, Todd. That's why we have two officials and folks and even Gallagher that are criticizing the play. I mean, you can see 
the play is happening through the net. Uh, the low referee, Jake Brank, is looking through the goaltender, through a player, through a net. He does not have the best view on this play. So it's perfectly reasonable that the call came from center ice. Like you said, that's that's why we have two officials to make those types of calls. And Gallagher wasn't happy. He uh, hopefully, for his sake, he stopped short of, of drawing a fine from the league, but uh, certainly wasn't shy about sharing his thoughts after the game. Definitely not. Okay. There was another somewhat puzzling one where a player was conversing with an official and it kind of went wrong. It happened to Columbus forward Adam Fantilli, who got penalized for unsportsmanlike conduct, but he was just trying to do the right thing. He was he was trying to to right a wrong, if you will. The the refs penalized uh, Stars defenseman Thomas Hurley for a high stick, and Fantilli was pleading the case saying this wasn't a high stick. He was he was trying to get him exonerated. He was trying to get him freed for an unlawful persecution. Yeah, so it's, it's, it wasn't happening. It was a tough one for him, unfortunately. And I, I was wondering initially, you know, his head snaps back and you think, is he trying to draw a call? Is, are we looking at embellishment here? Was it, was that what he was worried about? But it's it's instinctive. The stick comes near your face. You're, you're moving your head head back to get out of the way there was no contact there he he tries to be honest and explain it refs john mcisaac firm and south not impressed i guess didn't want to hear anything so instead of rescinding the penalty you get the two for high sticking and fantilli gets two for unsportsmanlike now believe me i it wasn't unsportsmanlike this was very sportsmanlike from it but he was still questioning the officials call on the ice even though he was trying to do the right thing but todd the way i looked at it is it all evened out right I mean, Fantilli earned two minutes that he didn't deserve, but Harley didn't deserve his two minutes either. So it all comes out in the wash, right? We're all we're all even anyway. Okay, so you're saying that the penalties even out over the course of time, and there's no all they even out in this game, game, right? Yeah. No, no high stick. All right, the high stick. Instead of taking away the high stick, we'll just give you guys both two minutes. Let's let's just even it out that way. So, yeah, let's do some four on four. It'll be fine. Yeah, Fantilli will uh, will learn. Maybe next time he'll just uh, let it go. Okay. All right. Let's get into some other stuff. Uh, Minnesota and Dallas, the Wilds' Brandon Duhame got himself ejected from the game. In the second period, he drives Stars defenseman Thomas Hurley into the boards. As the video shows, like how I did that there? If you like how I did that? How's the video shows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Duhame hits Hurley in the numbers, sends him into the boards. Chris Schlenker issued a major penalty. They reviewed. It stood up. He was done for the game. I think this is an easy call. And in fact... I would maybe add another game or so onto this. That's that's a deliberate check through the back into the numbers, sending them right into the boards. Absolutely. Dangerous play. One where this is what boarding is for. It, it's not that the hit's horrible. It's that based on the distance from the boards, it makes it a very dangerous play. So I, I was surprised we didn't see more. It's it's one of those that can result in a serious injury. And of course, clipping that dasher, man, you, you hit that with your visor or just below the visor. It, a common source of injuries caused some blood on this play. So that contributed as well. But I was, uh, I was okay if they went a little bit longer on this one. Yeah. All right. Now, Reviews don't necessarily always confirm the call. Sometimes the call changes. And that happened in a game with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the New York Rangers. Sean Corrali is the one who delivers a hard hit to the chest of Ranger defenseman Ryan Lingrid. It was a wicked hit. Ranger player lands hard into the boards. There's the scuffle afterwards. Kevin Pollock and Brandon Blandini called a major penalty on the ice so they could review it. And that is the right procedure, first of all. They have a look at it, and this penalty is reduced from a major penalty to a minor penalty. And 
honestly, without Lingren being injured on the play and the the whole scuffle and everything, I'm not sure that there should be a penalty call there. Isn't shoulder to the chest the objective here? I mean, that's what you're looking for in, in a hit. Uh, when they called it, you know, if some fans were, I know, initially concerned that it looked like an elbow and the elbow does come up, but it comes through on the follow through. It's really to the chest there. It does lift up. The problem on this play is Lindgren's contact between his helmet and the glass there, which is unfortunate. But the hit itself, aside from looking at the position of it, you know, was it in a spot where it was dangerous when it came to contact with the boards enough to call a boarding call? And I think that's why they reduced it is that it, it may have been a bit dangerous. He may have been a tough spot there, but really it's not a flagrant call. It's not something where we see an elbow to the face. It's not something where it looks like intent to injure. It looks like a, a legal body check that maybe just based on positioning of the players, you need a little more situational awareness to avoid taking a penalty there. And I think that's what it came down to. And that's why we saw a minor, but not anything more than that. This is part of the understanding of the rules as well, too, that we we talk about a little bit and we should maybe explain a little bit more that there's there are a lot of elements, um, distance to the boards. We, we want to see the right check and sometimes legal hit has unfortunate consequences, as is some of the case here. Absolutely. And sometimes a perfectly legal hit causes an injury. And just because there's an injury or a, an outcome that nobody wants to have happen on a play, it doesn't necessarily mean it's illegal. You know, we can't officiate based on outcome. We have tons of illegal plays that don't cause an injury. Well, they still need to be punished. It was still an illegal act. So just because there's an injury on the play doesn't necessarily make it illegal. And sometimes those legal plays are just a legal hit and something goes wrong. Somebody catches a skate, somebody's positioned poorly, somebody stumbles or runs into another player and we see injuries come out of that. So all of that factors in. And I think, Todd, that's why it's great that the officials have the ability to review the play. I think we could have lived with it if they called it a major had they seen it on the ice, they saw what happened there. You know, you're looking at it real time. I think everyone could live that this was a major penalty and and so be it. We move on. That's how it works. But having that second chance to look at it and really evaluate the situation to say, is this the right call? You know, let's review it. And remember, those reviews are handled entirely by the on ice officials. So it's the same refs who made the call initially are the ones who are deciding whether to uphold it or whether to reduce it. So it worked the way it's intended to. All right. Earlier in this same game, there was another video review. This one had to do with whether or not the Rangers had scored a goal on Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender Elvis Merzlikens. New York's Will Cooley shoots the puck from the corner towards the net. It gets squeezed up against the goalie's pad and the post, and Cooley believes that it's in right away. He's pointing at the net. Uh, the play is eventually blown dead. You can see that the puck is across the line as... Merzlikens gets up and the players unpack. But the question is, was this over the line before the whistle was blown? How do you determine the outcome? It's probably the best example of why video review is a perfect system in trying to determine what the call is here. Can you kind of help us unpack this very complicated situation, Josh? Absolutely. Let's take a look at this one. So I think we have two factors at play here. And we'll, we'll start with, there's no question that the puck ended up over the line. It was across the line at one point and referee Kevin Pollock blew the whistle to stop play. He intended to blow the whistle to stop play. So I think those two facts, nobody's going to dispute. What it comes down to is really around the timing of when those things happened. And when we see the initial shot go in, or we see the initial shot taken, I should say, we can't necessarily see it go in. And uh, of course, the Rangers player is pointing that it goes in, but we can't confirm that. Benino looks like he sees the puck over the line. 
there's no video angle that conclusively shows that the puck went in. So when this goes upstairs to the NHL Situation Room to review, they look at that initial shot from Cooley and there's nothing conclusive that tells them that the puck is over the line. So when they issued their ruling, what the league said was that Cooley's initial shot did not cross the goal line and that the referee intended to blow. So if they if they don't see that the puck is across the goal line here, they can't call it a goal. Pollock moves in. He intends to blow the whistle. Everybody moves. Now we see the pucks over the line, but we don't know when the puck actually crossed the line. And if they had conclusive video evidence to say the puck crossed the line at exactly this moment, great. But we don't. You can see there's a push from Capo Caco. We don't know if that's when the puck crossed the line. If it did, it, it would be very reasonable that that was when Pollock intended to blow the play dead because when, when Caco comes in, it, the puck's covered, it's trapped. So I would say that I can buy the intent to blow before Kako pushes the puck in. Prior to that, if that puck initially crosses the line, it's a good goal, but they couldn't see it cross the line. They didn't have conclusive video evidence. So all the league can do at that point is to say, we don't see it across the line until after the referee intended to blow the whistle. And as bad as it is for the Rangers and as frustrating as it is for fans, if they would explain it that way, I think people would get it a lot more because it makes sense it's just a shame that there was no conclusive video footage to show or no Todd puck tracking to show right. that the shot went in. This is why we keep bringing this topic back up because they're, they're using it now. They're making little bits and pieces of information available on the website, but of course they don't want anyone to look bad. So they tell you whether you're above or below average, but that's it. It's, there's a lot more information that we could be making use of here and make, a call that is is more accurate. Absolutely. And and I think once we have conclusive data, if we could say with 100% certainty that we know when a puck crosses the goal line, lots of these reviews go away. Lots of the frustration goes away. We we sync that up. And yes, there's still always going to be the intent to blow. Uh, the NHL Rule 31 factors in the human element and that refs have a moment or they may declare the play to be dead before they actually blow the whistle. That'll always exist. But at least we would know precisely when the puck crossed the goal line. And, and I think to Rangers fans chagrin here, I don't think Pollock intended to blow the puck dead on the initial shot. I think clearly the puck was in play. But by the time we saw the puck over the line, he had already killed the play. And, and that lack of information, that lack of some conclusive information of a goal being scored, that's what screwed the Rangers in this one. It wasn't the refs. Now, that's the whistle that takes an extra second to occur in the Calgary-Toronto game. There was a, well, dare I say, premature whistle. And funnily enough, it was Kevin Pollock who was working that game as well because Nazem Kadri thought he had a goal, but quick whistle, plays killed, doesn't count. Yeah, and this one's, man, you, you have Pollock having this one happen before. Maybe this is what led to that Rangers goal. He just gave it an extra beat to see what would happen on the play. Maybe he was a little gun shy after this one. But no, this was a quick whistle. The puck's down there between the pads of Joseph Wall. If the puck goes in after the Leafs player pushes it back and that crosses the goal line, I think this goal stands. I think they'll look at it as a continuous play. But because it required that push from Kadri, that's what wipes out the goal here. That's why it wasn't because at this point, it's live and he's considering that it's covered. Now, neither official has a good view of the puck and we can all see it on video replay, but the ref that's down low can't see the pucks loose. The ref up high can't see that the pucks loose. You've got a, a bunch of guys around the net. You have to protect the goaltenders. So you, you blow the whistle. And, and like I said, Todd, maybe this is what made Pollock wait a little bit longer in that Rangers game, because this, this was a close one. And unfortunately it was, uh, was one that did get called back for the dreaded intent to blow. 
no system is perfect. And sometimes this is going to happen, even with the, the, the puck tracking that we'll eventually get to, hopefully. Okay, let's talk uh, money. And first of all, Edmonton's Leon Dreisaitl versus the New York Islanders. I was a little puzzled by this whole situation. Um, he misses out on a one-timer opportunity. The puck gets sprung loose. There's battling down low. And he takes down Islanders forward Bo Horvat. Um, looks to me like he delivers a full force cross check that sends Horvat to the ice. He got a two minute penalty for tripping and then was fined $5,000 by the department of player safety for a dangerous trip. Isn't this cross checking and isn't, can we not fine for cross checking? I, I'm used here. Oh, we can. I, I mean, I think it, it, it really doesn't make a significant amount of difference if we're going to find him for a cross check or a dangerous trip. I mean, it was a cross check that was a dangerous trip. We'll talk later on about an elbow that was an illegal check to the head. So sometimes things overlap here and, and that's just fine. I think it was the right call because a trip can be less dangerous than this one was. Obviously, a cross check to the leg is pretty dangerous. So glad to see there was a fine, even if it was just to acknowledge the fact that there was some nonsense going on here. And I also know that some fans were frustrated because of what happened here prior to this play where you mm -hmm. have the, uh, I think it's Horvat who really takes him out there along the boards there. You can see him take down Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl gets up frustrated. Probably a trip, probably the kind of trip that you're not going to call and certainly one that doesn't rise to the level of supplemental discipline, something you're not going to have any kind of a fine or a suspension on. But yeah, there's there's a little bit of a trip there. So I can understand Dreisaitl's frustration on this play, but it doesn't give you a free pass to dangerously trip or cross-check a guy in the knees. So thankfully, no injury on this play, but that was uh, not Dreisaitl's smartest play for sure. No, and he's paying the price. So you mentioned the hit to the head and or elbow. It was Adam Ernie who was fined just over $2,000 for the check to Seattle's Pierre-Edouard Belmar. He is penalized for an illegal check to the head. And I guess the elbow is part of that illegal check to the head. So that's why he was fined for elbowing, if that makes sense. Uh, yes. And player safety always has the right, if they want to, to issue supplemental discipline for something other than what the original penalty was called for. So they get the luxury of video. They get to look at it after the fact, spend as much time as they want and really break it down. So it doesn't necessarily matter what the officials call on the ice if they call anything at all when player safety is rendering their decision here. And, and I get it. I can see both sides of it. For the officials to call this as an illegal check to the head, there's obviously contact with the head. I think the fine could have gone the same way. Maybe we're looking at, from a player safety perspective, uh, setting those standards for, you know, it, do we do we want to come down stronger on an illegal check to the head? Was this more of an elbow that just had contact up there and figuring out which rule they want to call it under? probably short of a one game suspension. So finds the right call. And similarly, probably short of if it is an illegal check to the head, your only options are a minor penalty or a match penalty and probably fall short of a match penalty on this one too. I, I could have seen the officials doing a little bit more if they wanted to call it an elbow, but I think player safety gets it right here. I, probably not at the level where we're looking at a one game suspension, but definitely a dangerous hit. Okay. I, I, I would have been okay with the suspension here because it's a yep. deliberate, it's an elbow, it's a shot. It, you could, you could definitely see, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there, Todd. I would not be against any yeah. targeted hits to the head to be a, a minimum one game suspension. I mean, let's look at things where this was a play where the, 
the head contact was avoidable. It didn't need to happen. It resulted in not only the, the hit, but actually extending the arm up to cause that contact and make the head the main point of contact. Boy, I'm sounding like a player safety video here. Yeah, I can justify one game for sure. I didn't expect it based on what we've seen in the past, but I, I would be okay, uh, as you point out, if player safety did adopt that standard. Right, Lowell, let's go to the easy-to-understand instigator penalty. There was uh, <laughs> there was plenty of confusion this past week with the, the Maple Leafs because the Leafs got two instigator penalties. Mark Giordano and Domi aged with their combatants. And, and I I don't understand why the fusion here because they initiated the Isn't that where the instigator's in? That's exactly where it comes from. That's where it lives. That's where it makes its money. If you go in and start a fight, you're picking up an instigator penalty. And it, it's pretty straightforward. Rule 4611 gives a bunch of criteria. And I know, Todd, how much of a fan you are of the criteria for the instigator penalty of what constitutes an instigator of an altercation, which could be any or all of the following. Distance traveled, gloves off first, first punch thrown, menacing attitude or posture, verbal My instigation favorite. or threats, <laughs> conduct in retaliation to a prior incident or retribution for a prior incident in the game or in the season. So you have all those things coming in. It's not just, hey, this guy dropped the gloves first, but it is often the guy who's looking to avenge a hit on his teammate. So I'm, I'm okay with these calls. I think it's, it's one of those moments where you have a guy sticking up for your teammate and sometimes that's the right play. Even if it means you're going to be shorthanded for two minutes, sometimes you need to send that message. Sometimes you need to tell him that you, you can't take liberties with my guy and doesn't matter if it's a clean hit or a dirty hit. And it certainly doesn't because I'm not expecting Mark Giordano or Max Domi to assess the, the legality of a hit when it happens on the ice. They're just looking to send a message. So I think they got these right. Uh, some folks were frustrated that instigator penalties seem to happen against the Maple Leafs. You know, we've had 10, I think it was 10 instigator calls uh, over the 50 or so fights or 50 or so fighting majors that we've seen. And only two of them were to the Leafs and every other team had one. Uh, so nobody was picking up multiples there. So it's not like this is something that's really biased against Toronto that the refs are going out of the way. But I think you see with the Leafs, we had an issue with Marshawn where a, a guy gets injured on a hit, nobody sticks up. And now I think the Leafs are focused more on sending that message and Sometimes sending that message means you are going to take an instigator penalty or two. I guess so. Well, that was the, the case in the Winnipeg and New Jersey game as well. Brendan Smith delivered a hit from behind to Vlad Nemestikov, um, sends him barreling into the boards. And Nikolai Ehlers just said, I don't think so. And he's he drops his gloves and he gets two, five and ten. Again, this is perhaps a better or more clearer definition of drop the gloves first. So you're going to get the the 17 minutes uh, of penalties. Absolutely. And if you had Nick Ehlers uh, in your pool to drop the gloves for a fight, <laughs> good for you. I did not see that one coming. And that's that's sometimes when you see it happen and you, you see these guys picking up penalties and, and earning that because they want to send a message, even if it's not their style. And sometimes it's just about going out there and, and doing that. But uh, yeah, I didn't didn't see that one. But at the same time, you're looking at a play where a guy is going to avenge a hit. And I think they made the right call. Sending the message, always uh, the way. Sometimes the message is a little bit confused. Sometimes it gets lost in interpretation, but there's always a message. And sometimes it's just getting punched in the mouth. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Where to work? Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.